Good evening. A Puritan's Mind brings you the old-time radio program, the Wild Boar News Podcast from sunny South Florida. Welcome. I'm Dr. Matthew McMahon. The modern church is money-hungry. It's unavoidable when trends picked up from heretics soar through the airwaves deceiving simple souls to turn from Christ to what their Christ can give you. If God has golden garbage cans, for example, you can too. Word faith teachings can be traced to E.W. Kenyon, 1867 to 1948, a New England preacher who taught that health and finances were the right of every believer who would claim the promises of Scripture through faith. Claiming promises was done by believing and verbally confessing the relevant Scriptures, and thus Kenyon coined the phrase, What I confess, I possess. Pentecostal preacher Kenneth Hagin, 1917-2003, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, was heavily influenced by Kenyon's writings and began teaching the same doctrines as early as the 1930s. Hagin is often referred to as being the father of the modern word-faith movement. He elaborated on Kenyon's theology of confession, preaching a four-part formula for receiving God's promises. He said, you say it, do it, Receive it, tell it. Other preachers in Tulsa were mentioned by Dad Hagen and began to preach the same doctrines. The most prominent of these is Kenneth Copeland. Men like proponents of the doctrine in the United States include Creflo Dollar, Frederick Casey Price, Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen, Marilyn Hickey, Rod Parsley, Jesse Duplantis, Oral Roberts, Joyce Meyer, John Evanzini, and Keith Butler, among others. Many of these heretics appear regularly on Trinity Broadcasting Network, whose founders and directors, Paul and Jan Crouch, are also proponents of the word-faith doctrine. Do these figures really affect that many people? In a word, yes. Let me tell you a little story. Among other things, I work for a living. At my job, I have been interviewing candidates for a number of positions. One man by the name of Ken Spinder made arrangements with my secretary to come in for an interview because he had seen my advertisement in the newspaper for the job opening. He appeared dressed in clerical garb and carried a disheveled notebook. He sat down and took a poster concerning the Faith Farm and the pastor there, Mr. Locke by name, who was holding a rally in the next two weeks and handed it to me. Ken asked if we could put him on television or donate to the cause of the rally. I was baffled. I asked, are you here for the interview? He answered, yes, and continued his sales pitch. I stopped him again and asked if he was here to apply for the position. He said, no. I simply used that to get in here in order to speak with you about our rally, because oftentimes people don't want to let me in. Well, of course they don't. Now, I'm a busy man. All day long at our television production house, I am working with many people on many different projects. I don't have time for money moguls who lie and deceive me in order to take time and try to get my money for their schemes. I told Ken to repent. 
I told him he gave Christians a bad name. And I told him that unless he repented, God would send him to hell. I told him he was a liar. And liars have no part in the kingdom of heaven. What would possess a man to come on behalf of another and lie in order to raise money? I'll tell you. Money. He then rose and blessed me by saying that he hoped I would make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I told him that was not what this company is about, and whether I am abased or whether I am exalted, God would be glorified nonetheless. Then he began speaking like a word-faith disciple. I asked him if he had heard of those on TBN or those previously named. He named them as well, and others. I told him to run quickly from those men, for they will lead him to hell. He remained unfazed, he seemed indifferent, and he went on his way. There you have a local Christian so-called pastor peddling the word of God for profit and trying to build a business. The business was for Mr. Locke, also a pastor, or so he says, who ran the faith farm. The faith farm is a place where people donate their goods in order to sell them to gain funds for their ministry, their word faith ministry. But I'll tell you, after meeting Ken, who claimed not only to be prospering, but also an apostle, the faith farm is producing money-hungry deceivers who have no faith whatsoever. The farm is growing weeds, and faith is nowhere to be found. I'll pray for Ken, and ask God to open his eyes, otherwise he will meet with Dad Hagen and others in the fiery pit under God's wrath for being akin to pushers, junkies looking for a greenback. John Flavel said rightly, Where there is no want, there is usually much wantonness. The Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 2.7, For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God for profit, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. This is Dr. Matthew McMahon signing off. Good night, then, until this same time next week. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, 
neither came into my heart. From his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.